everyone and welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba and I'm joined by my good friend and esteemed colleague Steve Wiss. Steve, welcome to the show. How have you been, my friend? Well, I've been fairly busy. Uh, you know, it's been the summer holidays over here, so I've had to be dealing with the kids and everything. And then I went on holiday to Wales, so I've been pretty busy, um, along with keeping my eye on uh, all footballing matters in the leagues that I cover, of course. So, um, yeah, busy period, um, and we've not had a podcast for two or three weeks, so it's good to be back. How are you, my friend? Very well, and there's been plenty of developments uh, in the last few weeks, so we're going to get into it, and we have a a good show for you today. We have an exclusive interview, which we will talk about shortly. Um, Before we get into it, though, we obviously want to thank our uh, supporters, Scout, who we are supported by this season. We've been running blogs every month, as you might have seen on our Twitter page at Nordic Footpod uh, or on our Facebook page, Nordic Football Podcast. And yes, it's been going very well. So thank you to Wisecout. Um, if you don't know them, they are the leading data and statistical analysis company um, in football. And you know they've been offering us um, access to their platform. And we're going to talk about the Norwegian and Swedish leagues, some stats. We're going to overview and look towards the final straight of the season with not too many games remaining now just a few months the title races are both looking very very tasty indeed and also the relegation battles but steve first of all we had a we've got an exclusive interview today haven't we which is which is great to see from a, a manager in the elite Serbian. yes um a very interesting character henrik uh, pedersen at the Strums Goodser, who um spent uh he's only 41 years old but uh he spent nearly a decade uh, with the uh, Red Bull setups over in uh, Salzburg, Red Bull Ghana, uh, along with managerial experience in Denmark and Germany. So, um, yes, we've uh, we're very much looking forward to hearing hearing him on the uh, Nordic Football Podcast. Yeah, and it's an exciting show because we, you know, in the past as well, if you look through the archives, we've had many managers on the show from Sweden and Norway. So. Fantastic to have uh, Henrik Pedersen on the show joining us shortly. Uh, just a quick overview for those who may not be familiar with him. He's uh, born in 1978, a Danish football manager, as Steve mentions there, currently the head coach of Elite Serien Club Strums Godset. Now, he's had a very interesting career, as, as Steve has mentioned. In 2014, he had his first job as a manager. He was manager of HB Koga in the Danish First Division uh, until 2015. Then he was at Union Berlin as an assistant manager. Uh, where he was there until 2017. In May 2018, he was named the new manager of Eintracht Braunschweig in the third league of Germany. He wasn't there too long. He left in October 2018. And uh, on the 20th of June 2019, he was appointed the new manager of Strums Goodset on a two and a half year contract. And he is currently seeing out his first season there. So without further ado, Steve, let's get into the, the show. And... Um, Take away your interview, which I'm looking forward to listening to it as well. Let's get into it. And I'm delighted to be joined by the uh, Strums Goodsert manager, Henrik Pedersen. Um, how are you today, Henrik? I'm very fine, thank you. <laughs> so we've uh, just had the international break, and uh, after certainly a very busy August period with transfers, was it uh, a relief to uh, have a bit of time off from uh, competitive football? Yeah, it's, uh, it was um, a very interesting window and uh, and a really good window for us. Uh, we are in a 
you can say a special situation where um, we are in the bottom of the league when I take over and um, we have to do all things cheaper and we have to do all things better so an um, inter- interesting week a like month for me yeah Yes, unfortunately, uh, right now, Strum's goods are bottom of the Elite Assyrian. But, uh, and, and you joined the club uh, when they only had uh, 10 points on the board and it was a difficult situation. Um, just how hard is it to um, to take over a team uh, when they're struggling uh, like that? Is it? Uh, I'm sure it was very challenging uh, straight away. Um, of course, it's, again, it's the very... A really interesting situation to take over because you when I came I came into um, a fantastic club but a club in a trauma uh, and then with a lot of fear with uh, fear for the future what's happened in the future with uh, just a little confidence because they are used to lose they are used to don't play so well they are used to that the life is tough and it's not going well. So the first thing I always said is the human come always first. So I have to start to work with humans um, to to create accepting for the situation here and now because I know without ex- accepting for the moment, we cannot create anything. So um, when I took over the first day, it was with a longer speak to the guys and to the club about the emotional influence of the biology because um, if we don't accept the moment where we are then we will never create any result and the second thing was my playing philosophy I have to integrate and it's a playing philosophy that is where you ha- you need to be in the heart you cannot be in your head and uh, those two things was my two step into the club so yeah. Um, now, um, when you took over, the transfer win- window was still about five or six weeks uh, away. Um, but you've certainly been very busy in the transfer market. Um, uh, you've uh, signed seven new players since you first arrived, and there's been quite a few players go out of the door as well. Was it a case of um, you looked at the squad and uh, you just thought simply some players weren't good enough? Or was it that certain players didn't fit your system? Or that it's just simply some changes were needed to freshen things up, would you say? I think uh, it's a good, um, yeah, all three things, what you're saying. Uh, but before we could start the transfer window, I had one month, four weeks, here, uh, three weeks, where I could see all the players in training, I could see all the players in game. So I had a really clear picture of the quality of the squad and um, I have to think in three ways when I put uh, when I bring a squad together one is we have to be effective the other things is I have to create more value that's mean I need players I can develop and sell later and the last thing is for me it's important that the players we have also are able to inspire other peoples uh, when when they are playing in the stadium, the, um, the customers has to ha- need to have a feeling. I can identify me with with the players on the pitch. So I look for for the age. I look for the salaries. I look for my playing philosophy, and I look for the, of course, for the how many players do we have who can we can sell later? Because 
Gosset is a club um, who has to sell players to earn money and to um, and for me it's a really important part to rebuild the club again. Yeah, I mean you talk about the your your own playing philosophy and uh, what, what would you say is the Henrik Pedersen philosophy and. Um, I mean, I guess that the hard part here is you haven't got an awful lot of time this season anyway to implement it, have you? Because it's all about results and staying up. But uh, I mean, you've got a you've had quite a history with the Red Bull projects. I do believe you you even had a spell at Red Bull Ghana, uh, for example. Uh, so you've had plenty of experience uh, developing your uh, your managerial game. Um, but just uh, a brief insight into what your own sort of tactical and mental philosophies are. Start with the playing philosophy. Um, yeah, I was eight years in, in Red Bull and was also the head of uh, global youth development. And uh, so, of course, uh, I have a still a Red Bull inside me with a very aggressive ball orientated pressing, uh, very aggressive ball orientated repressing, and then um, very quick offensive transition. Um, but this is one part of it. And uh, I always said we need we cannot use the summer jacket the whole year, so we need more jackets to develop a, a whole team who is prepared for different opponents and different phases in the game. But the basic was the was the pressing, the aggressive pressing, the aggressive repressure, and the quick transition. But we also work a lot um, to have the ball because. More of the team staying very deep when they play against us, so we need to have qualities also on the ball when to, to dominate a game on the ball. Yeah. So a general aggressive style with a lot of intensity. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking at a few statistics um, at your club, and uh, one thing that really stands out to me is before you arrived, um, Strom's good, sir, were only winning 42% of their defensive duels. Since you've taken over, uh, that uh, figure has now moved up to sixty percent, which is a massive, massive difference. Um, I mean, I'm guessing that's got to be you saying that aggressive style to get stuck in there. That's a big part of it, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. And um, I always said, um, I'm I'm here to be effective to win games, as you said. But I'm also here to develop players we can sell. And um, I always said to the players, if you play a great defensive game you'll never play a poor game and um, I'm convinced that if the player learns the defensive things um, then when the scouts are sitting in the stadium here in Gosset they will not say he is good but he's only good on the ball sometimes no he is good and he working always hard so I try to use the playing philosophy to integrate the culture for what is okay and what is not okay. And when I came and the player was full of fear, then they have the focus for the mistakes. And for me, there is no mistakes on the ball. There is only poor repressing. So we have to, we have to change the mindset of the players. Where is the focus? Um, so, and here is a big step when when you are under pressure and you feel fear. You have a lot of thoughts. When you have a lot of thoughts, you are in the past or in the future. And when you are in your head, then you always start to make evaluation. Oh, it was a good pass. It was a poor pass. It was a good finishing. It was a poor finishing. And we work a lot to stop, stop 
evaluation. We can do that after the game. We are just in each situation, as the whole situation or a small situation in a game, to to learn something. And we have to accept when we have when we are making a goal, but we also have to accept when we um, when when we play a ball to opponent. There is no different. It's test of us in each situation as a football player, but also as a human. So for me, there is a development of the playing philosophy as the basic for the culture, but there is also a big development uh, of the player for the human behind the players. And that's why I have a, a lot of individual speaks with the player, because they also have to find accepting in themselves as a human behind the player. Because we all know when we have challenge, we have problem, we, then we all always go back to the old pattern. And the old pattern is from the unconscious mind. And so I have to, to change the consciousness mind. So, so define much bigger accepting for the situation. So it's going to be easier, it's going to be more fun. And uh, so they start to find to find present in each situation instead of the hard against themselves. Yeah. I don't know if it makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, now, I did mention that you've signed seven new players since you uh, came in, and I just want to talk about a couple of them. Uh, the first being uh, uh, Duplex uh, Shomba, who uh, I personally have been very impressed with uh, since he, he's on loan from Racing Club de Strasbourg in, uh, uh, in from France. Um, and uh, I mean, I personally have uh, a strong connection to French football. I know he was linked to uh, a loan move to uh, uh, Ligue de Nationale team Dunkirk, uh, but he refused to go there because they wanted him to play left back, and he decided to join your club. Um, what, first of all, how did um, Duplex Chamba come to your attention, and uh, how what is he like to work with? Because he seems like a really good defender. For me, yes, I have a clear profiling for each position. And when you have a clear profile, it's easier to find the players. And and for me, um, I try to look um, where I have money to look. <laughs> and uh, here it was an option. Um, Duplex, he has a good left foot. He's quick. He has a good heading. And he's he was tactically unstable. And... I always try when I'm looking for players that they can one, two, maybe three really good things and then there is something they can't. I don't like uh, grey mouses. Players who can a little bit of all things. Mm. And I think Duplex is a good example that his left foot, he's, he's quick, he's good heading and he has a big, big hunger. And, um, and he's fantastic to work with. And he grow for every day as a human and special in the tactical way to to learn to defend on a higher level. Brilliant, yeah. And um, just another player I want to talk about is the interesting swap deal you had with Sarsborg with uh, Moss and uh, Salverson. And now this seems like um, a case, I actually think it looks like a good move for both uh, clubs actually. Um, because Salverson really seems to suit your system well, doesn't he? And uh, already scoring goals uh, since he joined Strumsgood, sir, and uh, his confidence seems really high. What is it about him that suits your your system, do you think? Um, for me, it was a case where uh, most, most he wanted to leave because he 
Holland. Uh, he was not able to train so much with this intensity. And for me, uh, Salveson, um, he has a fantastic uh, attitude. He has a fantastic mentality, but he's a he's a hard-working guy, and he's really good in the penalty area. And he has a good heading, and he has a good left foot. Um, so I like him first because his his left foot, his ability to make goals, his heading in the box, and his hunger also. And then his potential is big because he do a lot just from his um, instinct. His conscious mind about football is not was not so big. So the potential to find right position in the box, to find uh, right position when we are on the ball or without the ball. So I see he has a good basic, but also a big potential. Yeah, he looks like a very good signing so far for you. Now you're in this relegation battle. You've got 10 games left to save yourself. Um, probably one of the big problems you've got to try and solve is the Strums Goodser away from home issue, which has been a problem with this club for, well, a good three or four years now. Um, only won nine of the last 55 away matches in the Elitis area. I have noticed that your since you've taken over, it's only a small sample size of games, but your possession away from home is significantly improved compared to previous Strums Goodser sides. Do you have a plan to improve these away results? Because you're probably going to need a few points away from home, aren't you? Yeah, it's, um, in the moment we are really strong at home. Uh, and when we play away, we have the ball really much. And we, we had, in the last yeah, three, four games, we now the wicking game was not good, but the other games we, we play well. And we, we are dominating the games. And then yeah, especially when we are losing the ball, we had some problems. And then uh, in all the away goals, is most of them are coming from one we one situation. So in the moment, one of the the biggest priority we have is one we one defensively, because I can see when we take the one we one defensively out of the goals against us. I don't know why, but also away we we can reduce a lot of goals <laughs> goals. So we are working in the moment to be more effective, to dominate the games, to not just dominate with the ball, we, we want to have result with that. And we're working a lot to prepare when we are losing the ball, to have not only at home, but also a way to have a very aggressive repression. And then we're working with the one we want to, to defend on goal. So I can see that the players are not afraid. They are confident to play away. And I can see when we are 1-0 down, we still uh, have, changed, we have changed the mentality. We don't make the evaluation. We just go further. And we also show that in the last game where we were 1-0 down, came 1-1. And then in the end, we lost 2-1. So I think we come closer and closer to have our away win. Yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, towards the end of the season if you can improve on those away uh, results. Uh, now, and just finally, you're, um, the club you're at, Strum's good, sir. Um, apart from Rosenborg and Molder, they, they were actually the most one of the most recent sides to, to win the league in Norway. It's, it's a big club, isn't it? And for you yourself, the potential of a long-term project, project here, I mean, if you manage to keep them up this, this season, the future 
I mean, there's quite a lot of potential with Strum's Gudse, isn't there? Almost like a sleeping giant in Norwegian football. Yeah, for me, um, for me, the first step is to rebuild the club, and and for me, it's um, is to to create a financial uh, basic again, and that's why the squad now we have we have made that younger, better, and cheaper, and um, this is the first step and now we have to integrate the playing philosophy and then we have to do all what we can to stay in the league and when we are so far in winter then uh, I'm really looking forward for the new season we will maybe sign some new players and here we will take the next step over the long winter period so hopefully we can stay in the league this year and then we can take the next step next year so this is how far I am in my mind and the closest thought is on Sunday against Ranheim. Yeah, you're just going to have to take every game at a time, really, aren't you? You can't look too far ahead because every match is just as important to you. Yeah, it's amazing, important days. Um, all games have the same. As It's the same. We, I think we need five or six win more. Uh, and uh, for me, it's, it's not so important which club we play against because all teams are good here in Norway and we, we have to find into ourselves where we have the courage to play our playing philosophy playing philosophy because then I know it's difficult to play play against it doesn't matter which team who's coming here or which team we, we came we are coming to so to create good results start with ourselves so we have a big big focus for us well, we wish you uh, all the very best uh, of luck in uh, achieving your goals at Strum's Good Sir Henrik, and thanks very much for joining us on the Nordic Football Podcast. It's very much appreciated. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was a Nordic Football Podcast exclusive interview with Henrik Pedersen, who is the current manager of Strum's Godset. Steve, that was a fascinating discussion there. Really interesting, I found, to hear him talk about the sort of human and, and, and psychological um, qualities that are needed in, in professional football. Um, very interesting stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, you know what? He came across really well uh, in that interview and I, I was fascinated by uh, certain parts of it that I, I certainly didn't expect, you know, um, having watched him from the sidelines. But when you get to talk to the person um, in detail there, then, um, you know, they can surprise you with certain things. But, uh, yeah, I was... Uh, I think they're in good hands, actually, with Henrik Pedersen, to be honest. Yeah, and, you know, looking at the league table, uh, obviously, we we can move on now to a bit more analysis of Norway. And, you know, despite his kind of good words and, and, his, and his useful comments, they, they're bottom of the league at the moment, Strum's good set, uh, you know, with 16 points, which is not ideal from 20 games, obviously, scored 22 goals, conceded 39. I mean, the joint bottom with Salzburg, obviously, and goal difference um, separates them. And they're four points from safety, uh, with Ranheim in 14th and Mjöndalen on 20 points in the 13th. Do you think they're going to be able to get out of it, Steve? What's your outlook on their situation there? Yeah, I think it's probably time that I uh, got off my fence a little bit and made some predictions here, isn't it? Um, with only 10 games to go. I think what you've got is a situation where Sarsborg and Sturm's good set there, the, the two bottom two teams, they've... Um, on paper, they've got a lot more quality than, say, Runheim on Mjerdalen. So 
the expectation I think in general is that both will manage to get themselves out of trouble. But I guess the problem for both is, you know, it's not like say it was one of those teams down the bottom there battling three regular uh, relegation teams, then it wouldn't be so bad. But because they're both down there, they kind of got to fight each other, haven't they? Honestly, I think Ranheim and Mjöndalen are going to be the two teams that finish 15th and 16th. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, Sarpsborg haven't won for many a moon. Um, just two wins all year, which is shocking. Um, but uh, I, I still believe that they'll do. They'll get themselves out of danger. And you know what? After hearing Hedrick Pedersen, I, I think Godset can do it as well. Um, obviously someone's going to have to finish 14th, aren't they? So, uh, which is the, the playoff match. But if it's Sarsborg or, or Goodset, I, I would fully fancy them to get over the two-legged uh, playoff match there. I don't really think anyone else is going to get sucked into into trouble. Trump's uh, 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 got enough for me. Starbeck have probably got too much. I think anyone above them is already safe from my book. So, yeah, my prediction, Mjöndal and Ranheim, direct relegation. Well, funnily enough, I think that um, they play each other this weekend, don't they? Strums got it against Ranheim. Uh, and one of the things I've noticed um, looking at Wisecout data is that Strums got it in terms of their expected points. So this is what their statistics say that they would be expected to get in terms of points if you weighed up their chances created and their, you know, their chances conceded. Uh, they are expected to have 23.5 points, which would put them third bottom of the Elite Serian. So on the expected point metrics, you could maybe say that they may well climb out of it. In fact, we've got Starbeck and Trumza, who are the bottom two teams in the league for expected points there. So um, you think they're going to get out of it, and you've mentioned a couple of teams that you think will get sucked in. What's your thoughts on, um, you know, Myundalen? Because they're a team who are just about hovering above it. They they got promoted this season. You you didn't really have much positive to say about them in pre-season, did you? I think you famously called their ground, um, well, I don't want to repeat the words, but you, you, you slammed their ground. Um, what's your outlook on them? They're just hanging above it. Are they, are they, is Oliver Ossian going to get them out of that danger? Do you know, I've actually come to quite like the ground, actually, the, um, because during the summer, the scenery around it is fantastic, but I suppose you're not really at football to, walk, to see the hills and mountains, are you? So, um, but look, Neandalen have fought, fought a bit, a lot better than I thought they would, and they've been more competitive than I thought. Um, I've just seen signs recently that they're maybe getting a bit out of their depth a little bit. Um, I mean, losing 4-0 at Christiansen really wasn't good enough. But yeah, they lost against Mulder at home in the last game. But what interested me after the match was their midfielder captain, uh, Christian Gauseth. Um, you might have even seen this on Twitter, John, um, where he had an interview after the game. He was furious that handball wasn't given against uh, a Mulder defender. He was furious when interviewed. At the end of the interview, he just pushed the screens down, you know, the TV sponsor screens, and got out of there. I mean, imagine if someone did that to Jeff Shreves in the Premier League. It would be outcry. Um, but I just don't... I just wonder maybe that sort of thing. Is it about... Is it setting a bad example? Is it showing that the mood's getting too tense there, the pressure's getting on them? And um, they've drawn a lot of games, you know, Darlin, compared to the teams around them at the bottom. And uh, I just sense that they're, they're falling, you know. There's always a team in the last 10 games that has a nightmare run. And I just have a feeling it could be them. In fact, I actually think they may well be the team that finishes bottom. Um, they're just Their defence is starting to fall apart a bit. The clean sheets are dried up now. 
Interesting stuff. So, I mean, you know, looking at the, you know, I'll come back to Ranheim. Uh, sorry, I'll come back to Mjolnir in, in a second because they're away at Haugesen this weekend. But if we just look to the Strums Goodser Ranheim game, that is a, quite a crucial game, really, in terms of the context of the uh, relegation battle with one uh, fourteenth and one sixteenth. Do you have a prediction for that game, Steve? Do you have a sort of an outlook on that? Um, you know, how do you see that going? Yeah, Strums Goodser win. I think Strums Goodser win that game. They're very good at home. Um, the last two home matches under Henrik Pedersen, they both won. I think they're about even money with the bookmakers and uh, they may well be worth a bet there. Um, Runheim, you know, they've done remarkably well in the in the two seasons they've been up here with the budget they've got, the players they've got. But ultimately, um, I just don't think they've got the quality. Um, really, they've, they've signed Mushuk and Bekenga up front to striker who who could be maybe their X factor to get them out of danger. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a crucial game. Both uh, Strumsgutter and Sarpsborg have to face uh, Ranheim and Mjöndalen. Um I'm not sure if Ranheim have to face Mjöndalen again or not, but it goes without saying. I say that Sarpsborg and Strumsgutter are going to survive, but they can't afford to lose against either Ranheim or Mjöndalen because, A, in terms of the points and the table, is crucial, and, B, in terms of momentum um, uh, that that could give, uh, you know, the, the opposition there. So, yeah, it's a crucial game. I mean, if if, if Ranheim won this weekend, suddenly Goodset are in massive trouble. So it's a huge fixture, you know. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, if, if Ranheim win, they're going to be, well, six points clear of, mm-hmm. uh, of them with 10 games to go, nine games to go, sorry. So time would be running out. So really a, a very big game for Strong's Cross. And just quickly before we move on, um, who would you say have been the um, star players of Strong's Cross this season? Well, the best player I thought was the Cuba Silla, um, ex-French footballer, uh, well, ex-player who was involved in French football um, a few years ago. Uh, but he left the club. They sold him for about 250000 to someone. So he was probably the standout player. Now they, I mean, he's he, the new manager's brought in seven players. I mentioned in the, in the interview, Duplex Chamber has imp- impressed me. Um, Moses Moore up front has, has impressed me. Um, but as in terms of the whole season, I'm afraid, um, I, I of the current squad, I couldn't really say anyone, um, really has been a standout player. They're, that's how poor they've been. Okay, well. Prediction there is Strum's got a home win against Ranheim. We'll move on. And I keep coming, you know, as an overview of the relegation battle, I keep coming back to the stats on these teams, Steve. And I keep seeing two teams that keep cropping up. And they are Trumza in 12th and Starbeck in 11th. Now, with 20 games played in the season, a 30-game season, of course, Trumza have the worst expected goals against with 38, by some distance, by the way. The second worst is 31.9. That's Christensen. So that is miles clear with 38. They've conceded 40 goals, which is the worst in the league. Uh, Strums got so with 39, conceded Mjöndalen 37. Uh, and, you know, they, they're struggling. They seem to be struggling in all areas now. Um, what can you say about Trumza, Steve? You know, what, are you worried about them at all? Obviously, we interviewed their manager earlier in the season, uh, which you can go back and listen to on, on iTunes or Spotify, are you, are you worried about them at all, Stephen? No. You know, Starbeck, I'll tie them in as well. They've got the lowest uh, goals scored in the league and are really struggling as well. They've got the lowest ball possession in the league as well as one of the statistics with just 43% on average ball possession. What are your thoughts on those two teams? And can, will they get sucked in or you're okay with them? 
no, I mean, I said at the start of the season with Simo Valakari in charge, there's no way they'll go down. It's like, you know, in Premier League terms, you know, you, you, if Sam Allardyce was in charge of someone, you just say, no, they're just never going to go down, are they? You know, it's like Sean Dyche at uh, Burnley. You just feel with him in charge, it's not going to go down. Simo Valakari's uh, the coach is the big difference there. But the other thing for Trump, so is they have actually scored a goal, at least one goal in 17 of their 20 matches, which is, I think, quite an impressive statistic for a team down there. They've got enough goals in them and they've signed well in the uh, in this, uh, August transfer window. Uh, Fitima Zima is coming and uh, already bagged a couple of goals. Um, it looks it looks like a good move for him. And the Manchester United uh, loanee, Aidan Barlow, um, he looks fairly good for them as well. So I think there's enough goals in them to keep them up. But um, I think the defence is going to keep conceding goals, John. And uh, Starbeck, a similar position, their manager, Jan Jonsson, has come in and you feel with him at the helm, they're just not going to go down, really, in a different way to Trump so that they can graft out a result, you know. They've kept quite a few clean sheets since Johnson took charge and uh, they've got enough defensive rigidity and discipline to keep their heads above water. And the other thing, finally, both sides at home, the sort of places no one really wants to visit. You know, Starbucks, a grassy pitch, which towards the end of the season is going to become a right crap surface, you know, a mud bath, potentially a horrible pitch. No one wants to go there. And uh, Trumso, obviously towards October, November, it could be Arctic like conditions up there and uh, a long way up North. No one wants to go there. So I think both sides, I've got enough about them to to stay. Okay, thank you for that. And well, as you mentioned, there no team wants no teams want to go there. Well, need no one's going to be going there this weekend because both of them are really up against it. They're both playing the top two teams in the league. Uh, Mulder at home to Trumza there, and uh, Buda Glimt, who are second in the table at home to Starbeck. And um, one final point there on Starbeck before we move on, maybe more encouragingly for their fans, they have the most uh, through passes in the league this season. So obviously they try and play a, a smart game and the 227 through balls, uh, obviously they're, 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 you know, they're trying to, trying to work their way through and not just hoof the ball maybe. Um, let's move on because we've just looked at those two games and I'm assuming most people will think they'll be home wins. But I want to look at the top of the league now because... As we mentioned, they're more the top of the league uh, by one point only with 43 points. And Buda Glimt, really surprising title challengers there with 42. Some predicted that they would go down this season, but that is not going to happen with 42 points. Steve, this has been a compelling title race and there's been some big games in the last few weeks. Um, how do you see it? Mm, yeah, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Um, I mean, I hope it goes. The last game of the season is actually Mulder against Buda Glimt. So... Will it go to that last match of the season? I don't know. But um, <laughs> it's um, a case of, I think, both Mulder and Buda Glimt have got similar sort of fixtures towards the end of it. They're fairly tough running, actually. I think both of them have got to go to some difficult locations. Odd have probably got, the on paper anyway, the easiest fixture list. So maybe they could even get themselves uh, into it. Um, but I think Mulder will win the title. And I think the result that's going to win them the title is ultimately getting knocked out of the Europa League because they were incredibly in the in the last in the last four or five games they were basically resting their players for the elite Serian job and they got away with it by winning four out of five games but um you know 
I think if they'd stayed in Europe, they would have been very tempted to um, to prioritise Europe. Really, I mean, uh, you may have seen a few tweets knocking around about their the, the gamble of resting and rotating their squad um, when your European qualifying matches are on. I don't know what you think about that, but uh, ultimately, I guess the results have been all right for them. Well, that is interesting, yeah. And I mean, that really strikes me when you say that they're playing each other in the last game of the season. Could it be uh, one of those classic games? We'll wait and see. I mean, looking at some of the statistics on these two teams, obviously Mulder have the most goals scored with 46. Uh, and second is Buda Glimp with, 40, uh, sorry, with 47, Mulder. And Buda Glimp second with 46. Way ahead of everyone else. I mean, the next best placed team is Valeringa with 34. Um both of them have the most expected goals in the league. You know, expected goals against, they both measure quite well uh, in general. Um, but although Brand actually and Rosenborg are the two best in terms of expected goals against. Um, what's this going to come down to, Steve? Is it going to come down to maybe that slightly better defensive record of, uh, of Mulder? Or is it going to be, you know, is it a goal going to win this title? Is it going to be scoring the goals that matters? I think the big difference is going to be squad depth, actually, John. And that is where Mulder uh, piss all over everyone in this league, apart from maybe Rosenborg, anyway. Um, they've got massive, uh, great depth in all areas of the squad. And this is actually where the coach, Erling Moo, um, who took a fair bit of criticism for these um, rotations in the Europa League, but ultimately it might prove to be a complete masterstroke because... At the end of the day, what he's given, he's given minutes to players who wouldn't normally get minutes, right? And But they've actually won matches by doing it. And that could be absolutely crucial down the stretch. In the, And inevitably, all, all the, both these teams will get injury suspensions somewhere. If you're bringing someone into the team who has actually contributed and in a winning, uh, in winning sides, then that's got to be a big mental boost both for the player and for the coach and for the whole club. You know, he can rely on his sort of reserve players to get the business done because they've proven they can get it done. You're looking at Buda Glimt. They've hardly changed their team all year. It's basically the same 11 every week, bar one or two changes. They've not had too many injuries, suspensions to deal with. What happens if Harkon Evian goes down? What happens if Amola Uni is injured? Can they survive that? You know, I have, really would question it. And um, and, and the, the players that are coming in into their team, would they be able to you know, to, to, to play at the same sort of level. I'm not sure. So in the end, it was a massive risk for Erling Moo to, to do this rotation. But I actually think long term, that's going to be the big difference between the, the teams up there, the squad depth of Mulder. Fascinating. Yeah, that's really, really interesting to know. And I think one um, statistic that, that steps out to me with Border Glimpse just before we move on is... Um, their 1v1 dribbling is is by far the most successful in the league with 649 uh, successful dribbles. Second best, Halgerson, with 585. They average 30 dribbles per game, uh, Buda Glimt. So they really are an enterprising team. And, of course, I enjoyed your uh, blog, Wes for Wescout, on Hakon Evian and uh, a few other names in the Elite Serien. The transfer window is shut now. Was there any you know, eye-catching uh, departures that, that caught your eye? Is there any big moves that we should look out for that could shape the next 10 games? Well, I mean, in terms of uh, big moves, there wasn't uh, an awful lot out there, uh, to be honest with you. The most active teams were Sarpsborg and Sturm's Goodser, who I think added about uh, seven seven teams, seven players each. 
um, along those lines. Uh, in terms of uh, big moves, I suppose you could look at Rosenborg. They bought bought in uh, striker uh, Bjorn Jonsson, who uh, is a Norwegian national team player. And obviously, Nicholas Bentner has finally left the club to FC Copenhagen. Um, in terms of big, big standout moves there, I mean, there weren't an awful lot really that stuck out to me in, in this window, um, uh, in or out really. You could argue a couple like Azuka way back uh, in the summer, but uh, you know it wasn't such a, a dominant transfer window in terms of uh, catching the, the starlight. Anyway, great stuff. Um, we shall see how that goes, uh, and obviously, before we move on, just to recap the top scorers in this league: Dorabrio of Borven of Odd, who was still in this title race, by the way. Oi uh, Omiwanfo with eleven. Uh, Bowen with 13, Lecky James with 10, who's the third top scorer at Mulder, Emil Layuni of Buda Glimt with 9, and Magnus Wolf Eichram with 9 as well. We're going to wrap it up, I think, shortly, Steve. Is there any other teams you'd like to just quickly focus on before we move on? Uh, looking at the games this weekend, we've got Rosenborg, uh, the Bentnerless Rosenborg now. He's left the league, hasn't he? He's gone to FC Copenhagen. They are at home. And um, there's a few other games to maybe look out for. Is anything caught your eye? Well, I think what I've got to mention before we move on is the uh, Norwegian uh, Cup. And uh, that is now uh, reaching its uh, quarter-final stage uh, very soon, I think. And I would say the team that's favourite to win that cup is probably odd. So even if they don't win the league, they may well get something out of this season. Um, and the next round of that, I think, is uh, ooh, 25th of uh, September. So uh, that's a competition which uh, I don't usually talk about Cups too often on this podcast, but I will be talking about it from from that quarterfinal uh, stage onwards. Um, in terms of the league itself, obviously, it's dominated by top and bottom, isn't it? In the middle there, um, you've got, uh, I mean, Rosenborg, the big focus for them is going to be on the Europa League, I think. Uh not, I suppose, it wouldn't be a Norwegian, uh, a Nordic football podcast without me mentioning Valerenga, would it? And I'm actually going to attack them again. Um, they've been absolutely pathetic since the summer break. Uh, some horrendous results and performances. Uh, you know, they lost to Gudser. They <laughs> only drew against Starbeck. Lost against Hogerson at home. Got hammered by Buda Glimt. And then they couldn't even beat 10-man Rosenborg. So, look, Ronnie Dyla, I'm honestly... Should he still be in a job? Because they should be done an awful lot more with that club. Um, so I'm very disappointed with Valerenga um, right now. And uh, this has happened numerous times in the last two, three years. Not good enough, I'm afraid, for the uh, players that he's got in that squad. Well, that's a question we'll open to the audience. If you follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod, give us your answer on Twitter. Uh, Valerenga fans and fans of other teams should Ronnie Dyler still be in a job. I mean, he's been there since 2017. I know you've talked about him numerous times and really not been too satisfied with uh, the performances there. Should he still be in a job? Send us your tweets and the comments and, and, and let us know yourself. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up there, aren't we, on uh, on, on uh, Norway now? Uh, just to point out, by the way, that they, Valerenga, are away to Salzburg on Monday. Do you have a prediction for that game, Steve, just quickly? My prediction is over 2.5 goals. Um, and you know what I'm going to say? Sarpsborg win the game. Three goals to one. 
Okay. So, yeah, I mean, at the moment, Valerenga just don't look anything like they should be. So uh, maybe the international breaks help them out. But I think Sarpsborg can get a rare, a rare victory in that game. So, yeah, that pretty much covers the uh, Norwegian section. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the Asvenskan now. So uh, join us after the break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast and uh, yeah, let's just talk a bit about Sweden now and uh, there's a fascinating title battle um, right up there at the moment, four-way battle, you could even call it potentially five-way battle, but uh, you're going to top by one point to AIK, Malmo are in third place, just three points off the top, Hecken uh, are only four points off the top, they're kind of um, getting back into the race, aren't they? But uh, I mean, Jorgarten were going really well. They claimed a crucial win, didn't they? One 0 away at uh, Malmo, but then lost the the uh, derby curse against AIK um, in the previous round. But um, I suppose what that result has done, John, it's really tightened things up again. It's uh, it's an absolutely intriguing battle, isn't it? Yeah, it is indeed. It's tighter than uh, wedging two Kit Kats between a. Uh, um... Well, which is number two, wherever you want to wedge them, to be fair. But yeah, it's a very tight title race, and uh, it's going to be fascinating to see. I mean, I watched the Uruguayan AIK game, and it felt as if if Uruguayan had won that game, they really did have potentially one hand on the title. To be honest, they'd have been they'd have been six points clear of Malmo, and um, you know, a good sort of uh, five points clear of uh, of AIK, even more, in fact. Um, so, well, for yeah, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> they've been well clear in my opinion, and um, I think the momentum they had was you know really carrying them on. Uh, they're still probably just about title favourites. We have to look at how they got here really because they've kind of emerged from from nowhere. You know, we talked about sort of yeah, you've got North Shopping at, the, at one point. We've talked about Malmo who who've had a good run at times. We've talked about AIK who are the champions. And you're going to just seem to plug away, tick away, tick away, tick away. And uh, and now top of the league now with um, not too many games remaining. We're in the final stretch. Um, but yeah, that setback, losing the Stockholm derby, maybe just will give them a bit of a wobble. And they've had a lot of time to think about that, obviously, with the international break. The top three in the table, we've mentioned this before. Uh, the reason why they're up there is because of the really great defences that they've got. Hardly conceded any goals, either of them. Um, but I mean, are we in the situation now? Who do you think is the, is, is going to win the league, John? And I mean, look, from a, uh, I'm not, I'm not a neutral by any means, but from someone who's looking in into the league and knows a bit about it, but not maybe as much as you, I just see it like this could maybe develop into an AIK against Malmo title race. Have you got and got the bottle to to keep going in the last eight matches, um, or ultimately will the experience of the, the previous two champions eventually come through. Well, I think we're going to find out soon, and and you know that that knock against AIK, I think, will make Jurgen wobble a little bit. You know, one thing they haven't really had to deal with this season so far is, is expectation. I think they've gone under the radar slightly. Um, you know, they're a team who played nice stuff. They they've had the best, you know, the highest possession stats of the league. 
scored a lot of goals. Um, it looked very exciting. You know, not as many goals as say the Hammerby, for example, or Amalmo, but they, you know, they they they've been keeping solid defence. Um, and all around, just you know, of, of sort of while go, whilst performing very well, you know, the second lowest expected goals against in the league. While they've been performing sort of just consistently quite well, they've got still gone under the radar because of the you know maybe more glamorous teams. What's going to happen now is obviously because they're top of the league and they've, they've been there for a few weeks now. I think the pressure will just slowly start to rise on them, and maybe that was a little bit of what happened in the ARK game. I think ARK just had a little bit more now. So it was it was quite a drab game to be honest. I didn't I didn't think it was a very particularly uh, high quality match if I'm being totally honest. Uh, it was settled by one one goal, um, but yeah, the pressure the pressure will now be rising on Newgarden, and you know there's been a few little things coming out as well recently. Obviously, Buya Torre has has kind of made it clear he won't be probably returning to Newgarden at the end of the season. Of course, you may remember he's on loan. They've brought in Emir Kujovic, who will kind of maybe compete um, for that sort of forward spot in the transfer window. But yeah, the pressure will rise on them now, and uh, I've got to say, I think I look at Malmo really, and I still think they're the teams that beat. To be honest, five 0 winners at Kalmar uh, in the most recent fixture just absolutely battered them, um, and at times they really, really look. They're starting to sort of get into gear. Their their metrics in general are good. They've got the you know highest um, expected goals, for example, in the league. You know that kind of thing. They they're looking quite ominous in, in the way they're just hanging in there. They've got the lowest expected goals against. So I think if you look at the underlying statistics, you'd probably say you favour Malmo. But uh, we can't write off AAK as well. They're the champions, and I think Eurogarden they might like to just be underdogs. You know, I don't think they'd mind, for example, if they drew a game and were second for the last seven games and just you know could ease the pressure a little bit. I think that might suit them, to be honest. Um, but we shall see. Also, Kim Bergstrand as well is quite new to kind of competing for title races, whereas, you know, Uwe Rosler and obviously Rickard Norling have, have been there before. So that might be another factor. But um, all in all, yeah, it's, it's going to be a very fascinating title race, I think. I'm uh, just wondering your opinion on um, how the Europa League will affect Malmo. Um, is that going to be a neg- negative for them in this title race? And, and also, are we discounting Hecken? too easily because i mean this match at the weekend hecken against aik if hecken were to win that they would uh, move level on points with aik so i mean is this a team that we can't discount um too quickly yeah i think at times maybe i'm a bit harsh on on hecken you know um i was asked earlier in the season would they finish above ef call and i did think they would despite ef call's good start um you know they've, they've scored a the, fourth, the joint third highest amount of goals, expected goals wise, they're third in the league. You know, they're not a bad side to be fair. I just wonder if they've really got what it takes to win a title. I'm not, I'm, I'm not convinced. I'll be honest. You know, I, I don't see it. Um, but I think the one thing you can guarantee the Hecken is they're lively. They're, they're up for it. You know, the Europa League game aside, that against AZ Alkmaar, that was the one, one of the few times this season I've seen them really get just absolutely trounced and dominated. Um, but that was a higher level of, you know, uh, contender, really. That was a, a different level and they weren't ready for it. But um, when it comes to those fence scan, you know, they've they've got goals, obviously. Uh, and Paulinho, who's got nine goals this season, you know, they've managed to hold on to him. Uh, Jeremy F has left, which is a, a blow in my opinion. I just wonder if they've got what it takes to see out the last eight or nine games. I, I, I can't see them 
going on a sort of seven, eight game run of wins. That's, that's the thing. Can they beat AIK? Possibly. Um, you know, it's, it will be a tough match for them. And, you know, obviously there's a bit of history there with the manager who's, who's been there before. But um, no, I think really they've got to look at Europa League and, you know, just securing that Europa League spot rather than winning the title, if I'm perfectly honest. And, and Malmo in Europe, is that a negative for them or are they sort of, have they got the squad depth if needed to, to rotate? No, I think they're used to it. I think there's only, um, well, what, there'll, be, there'll be sort of about four or five games before the season ends in November. So, you know, that's not that many weekends really to, to sort of uh, come back. You know, you can play three games in a week, I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't think they'll really massively prioritise the Europa League if it comes to it. I think if they need to, they'll be um, pragmatic. You know, if, if there's a game coming up at a weekend and they need to focus on it, then I could see them resting players. They've got a decent squad. So I don't think, you know, they're in a situation where they need to worry too much. Um, I don't think it will affect them massively because I think they will really want to win the title. Um, there's been a lot of comments uh, after the recent games, a lot of mind games flowing around. If, you know, one of their players said that, you know, you're going to, we're going to win the title, maybe trying to put a bit of pressure on them. You know, there's been a little, a few little comments here and there that have made, you know, this title a bit more tasty, really. And, um, you know, the likes of Marcus Rosenborg is never afraid to come out with a, a comment, Uwe Rosler as well. So, um, you know, the problem with Malmo maybe is, you know, before that game, there was a little bit of pressure on Rosler. Um, fans were not happy, you know, Guillermo Molines is getting a lot of criticism. They've had, you know, a couple of poor poor results in, in weeks before that. But the thing with Malmo is they, they don't go away easily. You know, they've only lost two games this season still. You know, the, the problem is they've drawn eight. But, um, you know, they don't they don't struggle too much for goals. Still the team to beat for me. Mm, interesting stuff. And, I mean, I, the way I look at this league, I see the top seven in, in, a, in a league of their own and then the rest. And it's interesting that sides like uh, Hammerby, IFK, Jutteborg, Norshipping are suddenly, they're, they're in, a, in a good vein of form right now. So they're sort of awkward opponents for any of those in the title battle, aren't they? Um but then at the the other end of the spectrum, if you're playing any of those what I'd call bottom uh, eight or nine teams, you really would it be would you be expecting an easy three points? Yeah, it's a good point. And you know, there's been a lot of kind of well, not strange, but kind of big results of late. You know, if we look at recent results, for example, just in, even in the last sort of two match days, you've got Hacken four and Falkenberg one. Kalmar nil, Malmo five. You know, you've got the likes of sort of EFK, Jotaburg four, Kalmar nil. You know, Northropping five, Helsingborg nil. Um, you know, there's been a lot of big defeats. Malmo five, Falkenberg nil. Eurogarden three, Eskilstuna nil. Do you know what I mean? There's, there is a bit of a disparity between, you know, you get into a situation almost like the Premier League where you've got the top six and the rest, to be honest, top seven, you know, top six, seven, and then the rest. You know, even if you go back to sort of match day nine, Eurogarden four, Sirius nil. There's just a lot of a lot of beatings are going on at that time. Hack and four, serious one. Um, yeah, you know, there's a few teams that are kind of opening themselves up as kind of the the, the battering rounds of this league, and um, the teams at the top are really taking advantage of that. Yeah. Um, so, so your prediction is Malmo to win the title? Then? I think if I had to put my neck on the line, I feel like Malmo, the team that you can rely on. Um, you're gonna. I'd be surprised if they won the title. I think they've been very, very good. 
Um, you know, Elliot Kack, for example, has, has bagged five assists. They've got goals from all parts of the team. You know, the left flank, I think they've put in more goals than anyone else down that side. They have a high focus on that side. Um, you know, they've got goals all over the team, really. They're, they're not kind of like a Hammerby where Tankovic is, is their main man or Yevkor where Robin Sword is their main man or North Shopping where Jordan Larson was their main man. They can spread the goals around, really. Um, your garden, you know, you've got Biotore, you've got others who can who can chip in. So, you know, from that point of view, I'd be positive about them. But Malmo, I just think, you know, 40 goals scored, 14 conceded, highest XG by miles. All these kind of things are in their favour for me. And they've got that know-how, they've got that experience, they've got the expectations. Um, I would have them as slight favourites. They need to find someone. No means over, obviously. If you look, you know, like, like you said, there's only three points separating all the top three. So this is by no means over. Mm. They need to find someone who can score a penalty. It seems they must have missed about five or six this year. I'm not sure how many, but um, crucial ones as well. It's cost them points. Um, so that's uh, an interesting factor. If they don't win the title, they can probably blame some of those. But, uh, well, let's have a look at the bottom of the half of the table now. And there's all sorts going on here. There's managerial changes, court cases, and, uh, well, some absolute sacks of shit, I'm afraid, down the bottom there as well so um well yeah take us away um where where we're going to start here then let's start with some of the managerial changes in these teams yeah there's been a few changes um henrik larson hello and goodbye didn't last too long um helsingborg are now into the third manager of the season and it's another sort of uh, former premier league name uh it's olaf melberg who was uh, previously Aston villa He's um he's come into the spotlight and taken over from Henrik Larsson. Uh, they're kind of not been in the greatest of run of form of late. Uh, had a couple of beatings, as I mentioned there just earlier. And he's returned to maybe try and steady the ship. Um, Henrik Larsson actually left citing personal insults. I did mention there was a bit of a history between the two teams, you know, between the fans and Henrik Larsson. Obviously, him having been their manager in 2016 when they were relegated and they never really got over that, you know, season. To be honest, in terms of their relationship, it was a, a total breakdown. Um, it was very surprising that he really decided to go back there. I'll be honest. And even when he joined um, the club again, there was a lot of rancor. Really, fans were not happy for him returning. So he was always under pressure from day one in that sense. And he basically got to a point where he said, "You know, I don't need this. Like, um, enough's enough," uh, and left. And um, it's a it's a sad way for it to all end. Really, you know, I can't imagine him hopefully going back for the third time but uh they do say never go back to your ex don't they, they Steve? Do. they do say that and i have to wonder was he a failure in this spell because i think he joined them and they were like one point clear of the drop zone well they're actually five points clear now um so he, he weren't in terms of results they weren't that bad were they under larson i mean by sheer default i, I suppose but um it, it sounds like that he was never going to work again there so they, they simply had to move on um, but you would expect Helsingborg to survive now, wouldn't you? I mean, even if they're not that great of a side, there's just simply an awful lot worse down there. Well, I mean, you know, it wasn't necessarily the results that were so bad. You know, as you mentioned, they, they kind of picked up. Um, but yeah, it was more just kind of the, there was a total breakdown in their relationship. And obviously, when the results don't go your way, you know, they had a, had a quite a poor run before he left. Um I think the worst one was being beaten four one by uh, Audible. You know, that was that kind of set that kind of set it up to be honest. That was the beginning and the end, I think, really. Uh a very poor result at home. 
and from there it was kind of downhill, you know, and they never managed to, to sort of um, pick it up. You know, the the last win for last one was against um, against Sirius back in July. So yeah, the, the writing was kind of on the wall to be honest, and just given their relationship, it wasn't it just wasn't really working. But you know, in terms of their league position, then you know they're, they're not doing too badly in that sense. But it's quite tight, isn't it? They're only three points clear of Mal- uh, Calmar in thirteenth, um, and. They're not quite out of it yet in terms of relegation. Still need a few more points yet, but I yeah. mean, and the other, uh, the other team, <clears throat> the two teams at the bottom have also changed managers. Uh, Joel Cedegrin reign is over at Gisundsvall. You know, this is the end of an era, really. Um, <clears throat> lost their assistant manager. <clears throat> he was uh, the Spanish coach who implemented their fantastic style from last year. He went to EFK Jotterborg in the summer, and then obviously the. Uh, Loss of Alina Selenius. So he left at the beginning of the season. Then Alina Selenius went to Applewell in the summer. Their top goal scorer, their main man, really, their, their, their talisman up front. And um, they've just got worse and worse. And it's been a really, really catastrophic season for Gibson's about 12 points. And um, yeah, they, they they look like they're going down, to be honest. Um, Seligan was sacked. They've brought in a new manager now. And it's going to be up to him to see how he can how he can really recover because. They're looking like they're in big trouble. Um, yeah, there's quite a few teams uh, looking in in big trouble down there. AFC Eskilstuna, um, say you know the team there that have changed their manager, and uh, I mean, no surprise is it there was all sorts of vile goings on there. Um, I seem to remember there was a similar position that, that they're in the last time they're in the Allsvenskan. They hired Michael Jolly around this sort of period, maybe a little bit earlier in the campaign, but uh, it's like a never-ending merry-go-round for them. And um, and then moving up the table a little bit, there's um, a court case involving one of the uh, owners of, of of a club, John. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the interesting things recently is Yevko uh, Jotterberg actually banned, uh, sorry, were given a fine to twenty five thousand uh, Swedish kroners for insulting banners against when they played AFC Eskilstuna uh, at the end of July, um, calling them all kinds of things uh, in the banners and. Uh, I think a lot of fans in Sweden will be quite happy about that, to be honest, because they're not the most popular team. Um, but yeah, they'll, they'll probably take that fine and won't be too bothered about it. But uh, yeah, they've changed their manager. And you know, I mentioned on the last podcast that their recruitment in general is just extremely random. And uh, I think they're too sign. You know, their appointments to replace um, their manager is also very random. You know, they've brought in two coaches. Um, you know, kind of joint coaches, and I don't know if that's going to really work out for them, to be honest. So. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see on that front. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, the relegation battle, there's a lot of teams down there who have just been quite poor, as, as you've mentioned. I mean, who do you really worry for down there? I mean, for example, Sirius, they've lost 13 matches. They haven't won a match since the end of June. Um, but yet they're still three points clear of, of that 14th spot and, uh, and five clear of, of direct relegation. If you had to pick, I mean, do you first of all do you see a way out for the, the current bottom two teams, AFC Eskilstuna and Sundsvall, or are they direct relegation fodder? And then, I guess for the third spot, it could be anyone still. Um, being honest, I I don't see a way out for the bottom three. I think the bottom three will stay the bottom three. Uh, Falkenberg are the only ones who could maybe with a bit of a run. You know, they're not as turbulent as maybe, you know, Eskilstuna and Gifsundsvall. Uh, I really, really fear for Eskilstuna. I think they're pretty much 
I mean, we'll see how the new coaches do. It's very difficult to kind of judge them because I, I don't know too much about them. Um, but I think they will struggle. Um, you know, when it comes to Falkenberg, I think they've just got that little bit maybe more more solidity at times. They've not been too bad. You know, we've talked about them a little bit in terms of, you know, early in the season, they had their expected goals was actually very high compared to how their league position. Um, it's fallen away now. They're sort of, you know, mid-table for expected goals. Um, but you've still got Ostersons at the bottom of the league for expected goals, in fact. Um, and the bottom of three there would be Eskilstuna, Gifsonsville and Ostersons. You know, and in terms of expected goals against, you know, you've got, again, Eskilstuna and Gifsonsville, the worst two teams in the league. So, yeah, I really see them as contenders. You know, Falkenberg's stats actually suggest they would be more of a lower mid-table team shouldn't really be down there if you look at the metrics but they just haven't really got the quality I think you know they don't really have the the strikers they don't really have the creativity to make the most of it they have the lowest ball possession in, in the league you know and from that point of view you worry about them but my personal feeling is they, they they've got a chance um, obviously a lot depends on the new managers as I mentioned of the two bottom teams but um, as it stands I, I think they're in massive trouble those two Gibson's fellow AFC um, just looking up again in the table to, to Ostersons, they've actually only won one of their last 16 games now. Uh, I mean, they are quite a few points clear of, of danger still, but uh, do you worry Do you worry for Ostersons right now, John? They, they really could do with a win or two, couldn't they? Ostersons, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're in... Well, it's the, I mean, I think it's fair to say that it's pretty much the end of an era for Ostersons, if I'm honest. Um it's been a fantastic fairy tale. I think, you know, the Graham Potter era will always live in the memory and the legacy really of probably the Ossesons fairy tale is, is Graham Potter being a Premier League manager. You know, really that's that's their biggest legacy. Um, that they've had a manager that can go there and, you know, attract a Premier League club eventually, uh, through Swansea obviously to Brighton. But it just feels like really the end of an era. They've initiated with a transfer ban, the Ossesons, they've got all kinds of off field problems. The chairman Daniel Kinberg is currently in, involved in the court cases. You know, they're just you know, um, there's been a massive fallout with the there's been a transfer ban related to um, Saman Godos uh, and his transfer to um, to Amiens. You know, I think FIFA have ordered that Huesca were were actually due uh, um, some money in that deal, and there was a massive fallout in that transfer situation, which got very very ugly. Um, yeah, as I mentioned to you, they've got the worst expected you know expected goals against in that sense. Things are just. It's difficult. It's very difficult. Obviously, Ian Birchnell is a friend of the pod. Uh, we've had him on before, and he's a you know a great guy. Uh, Sean Constable as well, who left in the, in the summer. But just things are looking quite sticky for them, really. Um, as I mentioned, sorry, expected goals there. They've got the low, the worst expected goals in the league. They've got players in their squad that I like, you know, and it's but it's the financial crisis really. I think everything around the club is just starting to take its toll. You know, the Kinberg situation, what's going to happen, you know, this transfer ban now, um, all the financial issues. I read an interview with one of the people who works closely at the club saying she was saying that basically, um, you know, they're, they're struggling day to day. They're working day and night to raise funds, you know, via investors, via sponsorship, via um, match day revenues, just to be able to sort of pay their bills. So, you know, they've had an incredible journey over the last five years, six years, but They've lost a lot of key players from that that you know that adventure. They've moved on to bigger things, and it just feels you know I think one of the biggest symbols of it is Curtis Edwards. 
you know, he's like an Oster, Mr. Osterson's in a sense, um, similar to Potter, you know, coming from England and working his way through the leagues in Sweden after starting the regional leagues, joining uh, Potter. And he's now at Eurogarden and, you know, potentially could win the league title out there. You know, it just feels like everyone's kind of moved on and they've become yesterday's news type thing. Um, I do worry for them and it is really a, a tragic situation, I think. I mean, a lot of people are obviously criticising Kinberg for, you know, that he's being accused of funnelling um, funds between different businesses and that kind of thing to, to pay for Osterson's, um, you know, uh, finances. It's difficult to comment because that's a legal case, obviously. So, I, you know, it's hard to say either way. But, um, yeah, it's just a very sad end to that kind of fairy tale, really. And Kenny and Birchnell just maybe steady the ship and, and maybe build from next season. Let's see. For the last five games are against teams in the top seven. The next three fixtures, Kalmar at home, Falkenberg away, Urubro away. They've got to get points out of those games, haven't they, John? Do you think they will do? I think they can get some points. You know, they're not a terrible team, but um, there's a lot of new players in there. You know, you've got the likes of Blair Turger, uh, you know, who, who's, who's moved there from from England. Um, the team is just there. It's just quite new, to be honest. You know, it's, there's a lot of players who aren't really maybe experienced in the league. It's, it's a complete squad regeneration. You know, it's a bit like when a team in the England or wherever, you know, goes through that period where they've had a good a good era and then it ends. You know, and they have to rebuild. I mean, the last three games they lost four one at Elfsborg, which was a really bad result. Three um, one at home to AIK, which is probably a bit more expected, and then lost at Helsingborg. So they lost their last three. Um, drew with Gisfun's file, and then they lost at home to AFC Eskilstuna as well. So, you know, they need to just get back to winning. They've not won since the fourteenth of July. They need to get back to winning and just re-establishing themselves and get through to the end of the season type thing and rebuild from there, in my opinion. Even there, you know, the sporting director left, Sean Constable left. Just a lot of turnover, really, with them and, and a lot of changes. All right, well, I think that pretty much wraps it up for uh, for this podcast. Uh, uh, pleasure doing uh, this one with you, John, as ever. And, uh, well, we're going to look forward to the last third of the season in uh, the Elite Serien and our Svenska. We are indeed, yes. Um, Obviously, follow us on Twitter at Nordic Football. We'll be back. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Another exclusive interview in the bag. Uh, go through the archives and you'll see we've had at least three or four this season. So it's good to be getting those exclusive shows. And uh, if you know somebody who should be on the show, a player maybe or, you know, a manager, give us your recommendation on Twitter at Nordic Football. Thanks very much, John. Uh, we'll see you again very soon. Uh, take care, everyone, and goodbye.